I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. 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 Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I am Tom, not any part of the Sinaloa cartel, Bionic. I'm so relieved to hear that. I was mm-hmm. really concerned. I know our listeners were too. Uh, welcome back to another crazy week of Future Quake, where we're going to talk about some of the interesting things. Not too many developments in the last few days, of course, but we'll try to find something to talk about. <laughs> another time, get a little closer to your mic there. Oh, am, so I, me, am I, am I not, am I a little, little backed don't off Don't you there? want to be murmuring over there. Exactly like that. Yeah. Uh, well, we've got a bunch of news to talk about. You know, we may be a little groggy in this uh, section here. We, we're doing a double header today. We just mm-hmm. recorded a uh, intense interview for the end of the month uh, for Future Quake, which I hopefully everybody's going to like, uh, with a very interesting character that was with us. But today we've got a lot of news to talk about. Mm-hmm. And before we get into that, I want to be sure and tell our listeners how much I appreciate Stephen and Washington and Cheryl in Connecticut for ordering a book set, Future Quake book set. Sweetness. With uh, Lies of Government Told You, with uh, Andrew Napolitano, and also uh, A New World Order and the Eugenics Wars by Andrew Hoffman. Mm-hmm. So two book set. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to break the ice on this subject with anybody you know at church or family member. This is the way to do it. Get get the book set. Just give it to them. You just don't have to get freaked out. Just say, hey, let me know what you think. They Although I, I do think it works if you wave your hands around hysterically and... Show up with a tinfoil hat on. Yeah, maybe that would help to at least getting the attention. But yeah. um, the Napolitano book is a good way to ease people in with somebody they know. It gives some legitimacy. Mm-hmm. If they want to see intensity, all they got to do is look at Andrew's book on the front, and it gives you the can't Christian, get much more intense than that. No, but it gives the Christian uh, extra dimension to it as well. And those people will be ready with a lot of questions to talk to you about. Believe me, you won't have to bring up the subject with people you know. After they read those books, they will have questions for you. Sweet. So if you get a chance, go to the front of futurequake.com. Uh, order them there. Um, Brother Hoffman's helping us with that. And also, uh, we've got the, the uh, um, How to Overcome the Most Frightening Issues We'll Face This Century. Those are available there. That, that helps our expenses mm-hmm. for our ministry and some books and some other kind of things that we need to interview people and do stuff like that. And, and also, I want to thank Stephen and uh, Lanny in Michigan for their generous donations for our, our ministry. So sweet. thank you so much sweet, for that. Sweet, sweet, sweet. I think that's it for announcements other than just remind everybody, be looking in July 22nd through 24th, I believe. Yep. The Future Congress Conference. Mm-hmm. Um, it is all intense future threats with big headliners. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chuck Missler will be speaking there. G. Edward Griffin will be mm-hmm. speaking there. Uh, Tom Horn, Chris Pinto, uh, a whole bunch of other people. You mm-hmm. and me. Yeah. And a couple, uh, of other, couple of other klutzes, otherwise yeah. known as Tom Bionic and Dr. Future. Yeah, we, we, we go through the back door <laughs> yeah. of the, the stage. Yeah. We, Intellectual uh, klutz, as you might say. Yeah, we're, we're under the stairs. They call Always us out. tripping over our own shoes because they're too big for us. We'd like to see you there, though, because... Same with our big britches. It's going to be a major <laughs> conference with uh, like 800 talks or something like that, maybe slightly higher on yeah. that, but uh, it's going to be very intense. So go to uh, RaidersNewsUpdate.com. You, from there, you can find out everything about it. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's any other announcements. Oh, think? Um, 
uh, oh, well, I think I'd mentioned this last week or the week before that we're still looking for testimonies of people who have uh, stopped sleep paralysis in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can send it uh, to me at help at stopsleepparalysis.org or uh, okay. uh, over at Chris White at nowhere to run 1984 at Gmail. Mm-hmm. Send them on there. Okay, and that first one was help uh-huh. at stopsleepparalysis.org. Got it. Yep. Please uh, help them out. They're mm-hmm. trying to do something that can reach out to other people who don't know Christ. Yeah, audio is good. Video, if you want to record a little video, you know, mm-hmm. people, a lot of people are making homemade videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be fine, too. Uh, if you just want to do a written thing, that's okay. Hol- hologram? Yeah, if you want to do a hologram, you're pretty awesome. Okay. <laughs> or one of those gold discs that's like on Pioneer 10. That'd yeah, be exactly. All right. If you want okay. to do one of those. Okay. Uh, well, actually, I don't have any use for those, but, okay. you know, everything else is fair game. All right. All right. Well, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. And uh, please help that ministry, you all. Uh, it's been interesting. We've been getting some interesting emails lately. Uh, I, th- I think some people are getting tempted to, like, try some White Castles where they are. In different mm. parts of the country. I just want to warn you, if you try the frozen White Castles, they're not quite as good as the hot, steamy ones in the restaurant. But, And I would take the pickle off before you eat them. But they are ambrosia of the gods. And you know what? We have one of our friends out there, Brother Brett, who emails us every once in a while, a mm-hmm. uh, regular listener, who has heard us mention Ultraman a number of times. How we, you know, we'll deprogram and watch mm-hmm. Ultraman after the show. Here he comes uh, from the sky. He got he, he got him a DVD and starting to watch it. Far out. So we were talking about how the story of Ultraman sort of relates to the gospel in a weird way. And uh, so, Brother Brett, I'm glad that you listened to us out there. If any of you all want to experience the full Future Quake experience, get you a copy there, Amazon.com, the uh, mm-hmm. the full set of Ultraman. I think it's like 6.95, and you can watch it right after you listen to Future Quake, and it's like you'll be right there with us. Sweetness. So sweetness and light. That's it for the weird comments. Any well, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> or kicking them off. Yeah, one of the two. Yeah. Do you have a story you'd like to start? Where to begin? Where to begin? Uh, let's see. Uh, let me. I'll give you a. Well, should I just pick one or should I? Do you pick want, one? Okay. Uh, just pick the most interesting one. Okay, Guantanamo Bay files. Al Qaeda assassin worked for MI6. Uh, mm-hmm. The leaked Guantanamo. That was in my list, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry, man. No, Should I okay. move on? No, okay. pick it. Read it. Uh, an Al Qaeda operative accused of bombing two Christian churches and a luxury hotel in Pakistan in 2002 was at the same time working for British intelligence, according to secret files on detainees who were shipped to the U.S. military's Guantanamo Bay prison camp. Adil Hadi Al Jaziri bin Hamili. Hamlil. I'm sorry. That's a long name. I, I hate. I hate. Butchering people's names. Yeah, Let me he's going to be mad, and he's being he's Al-Qaeda blow me up. Be bad. Or yeah. MI6 is even worse. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Adil Hadi al-Jaziri bin Hamlili. I think I got it right that time. Yeah. An Algerian citizen described uh, described as a facilitator, courier, kidnapper, and assassin for Al-Qaeda was detained in Pakistan in 2003 and later sent to Guantanamo Bay. But according to Hamlili's... Guantanamo assessment file, one of 759 individual dossiers obtained by the Guardian, U.S. interrogators were convinced that he was simultaneously acting as an informer for British and Canadian intelligence. After his capture in June 2003, Hamlili was transferred to Bagram Detention Center, where he underwent numerous custodial interviews, and that's in caps, so I'm not sure what that means, or quotations, Hmm. with CIA personnel. 
They found him to have withheld important information from the Canadian Secret Service and British Service Intelligence Service um, to be a threat to U.S. and allied personnel in Afghanistan and Pakistan. Uh, a further series of reports based on the files reveals a single star informer at the base won his freedom by incriminating at least 123 other prisoners there. The U.S. military source described Mohammed Basadara as an invaluable source who had shown exceptional cooperation, but lawyers for other Emirates claim his evidence is extremely unreliable. Hmm. U.S. interrogators frequently clashed over the handling of detainees with members of the Joint Task Force Guantanamo, in several cases overruling recommendations by the Criminal Investigative Task Force force that prisoners should be released. CITF investigators also disapproved of the methods adopted by JTF military interrogators. Uh, new light on how Obama, Osama... New light on how Osama bin Laden escaped from Tora Bora as American and British special forces closed in on his mountain refuge in December 2001, including intelligence claiming that a local Pakistani warlord provided fighters to guide him to safety in the northeast of Afghanistan. Uh, it just it goes on and on and on here, and it's just nuts. Now, um, okay, so MI6 had this terrorist on their employ. Uh-huh. Didn't they also, or I guess the CIA had the guy in the Mumbai bombing? One of the main Mumbai terrorists, right? Uh-huh. Um, as well as the 7-7 bomber. Okay. Mm-hmm. So so these aren't isolated incidents. There's a theme here. Now, yes. what we're told to worry that as evidence of why this encroachment of the Muslim attack on America is ongoing now in our country, mm-hmm. you know, with them moving in, is they point to Islamic terrorism as a sign of how dangerous it is and what mm-hmm. they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. If, in fact, our own intelligence agencies in the West are running them, does that sort of affect that argument a little bit? Uh, in an intense way. <laughs> I mean, does yeah, that mean, it's, are, it's, we, are we looking to blame the wrong uh, final where the buck stops? In other words, you know, instead of blaming all this horrible terrorism on this, if we already have people in our own governments are the ones that are bankrolling it and supporting it, shouldn't that be where we should direct our fears and our response? Well, you know, we've, uh, I feel like, gosh, some, maybe it's just because I've studied it a little more than other people because of the talk that I've given. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that always has been weird for me is the fact that uh, oftentimes you see, you see these, these uh, false, these, I'll call them false flag, you see these terrorist events that don't benefit the blamed party. What good is it going to yeah, do? If, right. What good is it going to do if a if a if a terrorist organization blows up a uh, you know um, whatever does some commit some terrorist acts and it inflames and galvanizes the nation against them? How does that help them? How does that help them to that? That's cause? common sense. Yeah. Um, well, I tell you, give you another case in point, or where something that it was not inherent terrorism of locals, mm-hmm. the Levan affair where the Israeli government sent people in, dressed them up as Egyptians, mm-hmm. blew up mosques, blew up some uh, British, American, and uh, Egyptian places. Mm-hmm. Their goal was to create so much unrest that the British were originally going to ready to leave there to get them to stay mm-hmm. so that the Egyptians wouldn't take over. Now, that's a real reason. That is a reason why, why somebody would do terrorism and blame it on somebody else. You know, um, here's another one that I've always I'm always fascinated by. It's like constantly we're told to believe that these dudes who live out in the desert 
who can't who can barely farm their own food, who live in un mm-hmm. unheated, unsheltered huts mm-hmm. and shoot at each other with AK-47. And you know they're mm-hmm. com- you know people are always calling them you know derogatory names mm-hmm. about dudes that live out in the desert. You know, pick one. Mm-hmm. And uh, but yet they are they are somehow able to continually pull off these highly complex and highly organized yeah. pinpoint precision operations. That, but but at the same time, we're told how primitive they are and how their yeah. minds. I mean, I've read stuff even from Christian, like Messianic Christian stuff, talking mm-hmm. about what savages Arab people are I, and I how know, they've ruined so, their own cultures. Basically, they've taken them and put them into the Stone Age because but, of how primitive they are. But they can do these. They can do these. They're like like engineers and doctors who are who are doing all this stuff. You know, Muhammad Atta. You know, if you believe mm-hmm. the nine eleven story, is this? He was an engineer. You know, yeah. he was a he was a an engineer. They flew able to fly planes. I mean, um, but I've it, seen I've seen that their their capabilities though, because the Al Qaeda training camps. I've seen the monkey bars, where they'll run up and go across the monkey bars. You know, so it's pretty sophisticated. Yeah, well, in the videos. Uh, well, uh, that's what you would look for in a in a in a highly sophisticated mm-hmm. you know terrorist thing. If like they can do the monkey bars, well, like hazard, nothing's gonna stop them. Probably in Hazard County, you know, from the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> That's all Boss Hall can afford, you know, for yeah, you know, then Enos you see, and those guys. Then you see that. Then you see these law enforcement agencies engage in like like a semi cover up, or their facts don't yeah. always add up, yeah. you know, in these terrorist events. So, just just based on those three criteria, that the blame doesn't benefit from the attack, that you see these highly organized people mm-hmm. like pulling this thing off, and then you see law enforcement agencies can't get their facts straight. What am I supposed to believe? Like, what am I supposed to believe? Well, I don't know. The common sense would then tell me that if you've got, like, major nations influencing terrorists that that have now been pinned to be the bad guys doing stuff, that, that what they would have to do when they decided to capture them was to kill them, to shoot them in the head, and then somehow dispose of their body quickly before anybody could inspect it. Yeah. What's interesting, what's interesting is that there's... You know, in a oftentimes they say, well, the reason we're doing that is to try and not to inflame the Arab world is the the application. They said that's why they got rid of the body so quick. Well, uh, for anybody who shoot him in the head, that wouldn't inflame the Arab world. I'm sure. You know, no. you know, around where the children were that were in front of him. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of there's a I have a couple of comments about that. Uh, one is that one is that. Typically, the the Arab world, to the stuff that I've studied, you know, yeah. reading uh, Dr. Bill Musk's book about yeah. about uh, Arabism and how to, you know, it's a mm-hmm. comprehensive book as well as taking the the Bridges course there at, mm-hmm. and reading a lot, being there for you know at least mm-hmm. a short period of time. It's a culture very much based on social power and social status, you know. Um, so the one thing that you don't want to do is mysteriously dispose of the body. The one mm-hmm. thing you, the one thing you want to do is grab him and parade him around and be like, mm-hmm. "We got him, yeah!" Right, right. right. You know, look at him. You know, let's smack well, him. Like in the back head. in the old days, in the Middle East, when they would take the king they defeated and put him up on a pole, exactly. cut his head off and mm-hmm. sit up there, and that sent a message. You, just, you know, roll a, roll yeah. him around in the dirt, smack him with your shoes. That's <laughs> what you do. They may complain about it, they don't like it, but yet they grudgingly respect the yeah, authority. Uh, exactly, it. Yeah. exactly. But that's not what we did. We tossed him out in the ocean quietly, and. uh uh, to not to inflame the Arab world. So we couldn't even tell if the corpse had been dead for years yeah. or not. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, the other thing that's interesting is uh, there's a there's a news a little news blurb that uh, that came up on Al Jazeera just recently. They interviewed a guy who lived just down the street, mm-hmm. and he says, 
he says, you know, I was up late that night. I was talking to my brother who lives in the mm-hmm. UK and heard this helicopter. And I thought, what's going on? So I ran down and I saw these people descending out of the helicopter on this mm-hmm. compound, uh, which is just right around the corner yeah. from me. And I thought, what's going on here? And, uh, you know, there's a little bit of gunfire and then yeah. pretty much that's it. You know, and yeah. then he goes on and describes some of it, and he says, "You know what? I got to be honest. Uh, I got to be honest. For me, I've lived in this. I've lived in this town my whole life, and I've lived in this neighborhood for most of my adult life. Uh, you know, somebody new shows up on your block, you know about it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I walk through. I walk by that house four to five times a week in the evenings on an evening yeah. walk, and I've never once seen anybody or anything that looks strange there." So you're going to tell me that Osama bin Laden's been hiding there for two and a half years? I just don't buy it. I'm sorry. I just don't buy it. Well, now it's like, oh, we got to cut. It's time for a commercial now. Now now they're setting up Pakistan. If you hear Fox News and all like that, they're all setting it. Oh, they've been guarding my lawn. They've been sitting by long. And I'd heard some people earlier on the radio say, look, they're getting ready to set up Pakistan to excuse taking over Mm -hmm. their government. In effect, they may be the, the real patsy that comes out of all this is the... Pakistan government. You know, it was interesting, the first stories that came, of course, they showed the picture of him dead mm-hmm. that they found out later was a a clip job that was done from like 10 years prior. I know. Uh, or I, some few years prior to that was a clip job, and all the main news wires sent, had that up. And then they said, oh, there was a major, he had a gun, and he was fighting them, and, you know, killed his wife and these other people. Well, now it's come out, and this is what the government said. The government said that after deliberating, and now they say... There were no guards at the place. Osama bin Laden didn't have a gun. Even though there was a 20-minute firefight, he had no gun. Yeah, who was uh, shooting back? They I mean, just shot her in the arm or something like that. But it was in front of a bunch of kids. He was in a room with a bunch of kids and got shot. So. Yeah. But, you know, I went back and looked on CNN on September 16, 2001. Uh, you know, they're carrying a text from Osama bin Laden that says, I had nothing to do with this. Yeah. I had nothing on that. That doesn't mean he probably didn't like, you know, the U.S. getting it. But he said, I had nothing to do with this. And we didn't hear anything implicating uh, Osama bin Laden, to my knowledge, until December of 2001, when they show a video of a guy who had a white beard suddenly has a black beard, mm-hmm. and a guy who was left-handed suddenly writing with his right hand. Yep. Here's a report from 2001, December 26, from Fox News. Uh, report, Bin Laden already dead. Osama Bin Laden has died a peaceful death due to an untreated lung complication, the Pakistan Observer. What year was that? 2001. 2001. Here's another one. Uh, October 26, 2002. Uh, magazine runs what it calls Bin Laden's will. The editor-in-chief of a, of a London-based Arab news magazine said, it, said a purported will it published Saturday was written late last year by Osama Bin Laden and shows he's dying or he's going to die soon. Yeah. Here's another one from CNN. Dr. San, Sanjay Gupta. Right, he's their main doctor. Yeah, 21st of January, uh, of 2000, 2002. Bin Laden would need a lot of help on if he's on really on di- dialysis. Uh, skipping down here. CNN medical correspondent Dr. Sanjay Gupta spoke on Monday with CNN's Paul Azan about Bin Laden's appearance and the possibility that he was undergoing kidney treatment. Uh, you can look uh, at the pictures from a December 2001 video and notice that he has what some doctors refer to as a sort of frosting over his of his features, a sort of grayness of his beard, his paleness of skin, very gaunt sort of features. A lot of times people associate this with chronic illness. Doctors can certainly look at that and determine some clinical features. But even more than that, it's sometimes possible to differentiate a specific type of illness. 
the sort of frosting appearance is sometimes that people uh, a lot of times associate with chronic kidney failure or renal failure. Certainly someone who is requiring dialysis would have that. Mm. He's also not moving his arms. I looked at this tape all the way through its entire length. He never moved his left arm at all. The reason that might be important is because people who have had a stroke uh, uh, are at an in- increased risk. If they've also had kill- kidney failure, he may have had stroke, and therefore he's not moving his left side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he does move his right side a little bit yeah. more than he does the left. So uh, right. some of these of note, it's likely he has uh, renal dialysis. And that is something that you're going to need a right. lot of water and uh, you know, Henry, and, and you don't last long like that. Yeah. You know, I I didn't want to want to talk about this very much because it's sorry. been talking about it so sorry, much. Sorry. That's okay. Sorry. I figured we they're hearing it elsewhere and we could hear some other stuff. But it was interesting. I listened to Alex Jones today when they were recorded, and he had a fellow on who was the assistant secretary of state, I believe. Uh, he was right under Henry Kissinger, and he was back on Alex's show in 2002 and announced then that the official word in the government was Osama bin Laden was dead and that they had him on ice mm-hmm. and they would bring him out in the future when they needed to for some strategic purpose. Uh, and he was uh, back on the show today. He had asked him to take the doc, the uh, interview down previously because it caused some problem with the State Department. And he said, look, it's already out there. I can't do that. And he had him back on today and he reiterated everything. He said the whole thing uh, with 911 was a you know, total fake job. And this was the Undersecretary of State of the wow. United States. Um, so anyway, I guess we'll just leave it at that. Can I change the subject with us? Sorry, story? sorry. I just get all fired up. When I know, I, feel like I know. And too. people don't. Well, I don't find many people buying this story. I tell you, the only ones yeah. who are Fox News. Well, Fox News is just drinking the Kool-Aid given them by the government and mm-hmm. CIA. Who knows which one of them are agents? They're They're drinking it, and probably a few evangelical leaders. Everybody else is saying this makes no sense at all. Mm-hmm. So hopefully maybe that will turn things. Now, I want to read a, a story uh, that I referred to in our interview last week, and people were totally shocked that I referred to this, and I don't know if they even believed it. So I'm going to read the real thing. This is from Newsmax, mm-hmm. the big uh, more right-wing magazine online. It says, Franklin Graham, Trump may be my candidate. Uh, the Reverend Franklin Graham, whose father advised several U.S. presidents, says in an interview to be broadcast Sunday, now that was on April 22nd when I had that, okay, that he may back Donald Trump for president if the real estate tycoon decides to make a bid for the White House in 2012. Graham also told ABC Television that he doubted former Republican vice presidential candidate Sarah Palin would join the field of candidates aiming to unseat President Barack Obama. Asked whether Trump might be his preferred candidate, Graham told ABC's This Week program, Sure, yes. When Mm. I first saw that he was getting in, I thought, Well, this has got to be a joke, ABC quoted Graham as saying. But the more you listen to him, the more you say to yourself, You know, maybe this guy's right. The flamboyant businessman has attacked Obama recently in recent weeks, uh, notably repeating the debunked claim that the president was not born in the United States and suggested that he could make a White House run. Recent public opinion polls have found Trump at the top of the pack of Republicans with former Massachusetts Governor Mitt Romney. You know, because his incredible integrity, I'm sure. Ask about Romney, Graham replied, no question he's a very capable person. He's proven himself, but did not endorse him, according to an account of the interview at ABC released. Graham, whose father, the Reverend Willie, uh, Billy Graham, has met with U.S. presidents of both major parties in the Oval Office since 1950, said he doubts that Palin would run for the White House. 
Uh, I think she likes speaking on the issues, and I agree with many of the issues that she brings up, Graham told ABC. I don't see her running for president. And this also came from American Free Press. So there's Franklin Graham saying that he could be his man. Wow. Donald Trump. I don't know if it's because he likes his casinos that he operates or the his marriages hair. and other affairs that yeah, he's been through. Why do you think that's the right man? Hair. Or maybe all his political experience or maybe the uh, F-bombs that he was throwing recently in yeah. interviews. But for some reason, Franklin Graham is... Uh, is a, and, and the Republicans, the Republican rank and file have put him at the top immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, way past those unqualified guys like Ron Paul and people like that, you know. Uh, can I read a one little paragraph thing? Roll, for, roll it, buddy. I just thought, well I, well, I had a couple tiny ones here, and then you can jump in with okay. stuff, okay? No, that's good. Uh, Gingrich, uh, teaming up with Liberty University to teach American exceptionalism. This is on Right Wing Watch. You've got to be joking. Yes, at Liberty. Uh, no, you're not joking. I'm not joking. Not, yeah. Uh-uh. Uh, it says... Uh, um, this is something out of out of his site, uh, um, Newt Gingrich. It says, the most important question in American politics today is whether America is an exceptional nation. This is the core question behind every debate we are having about how to solve our country's most pressing challenges. I would agree with him. That is the real question for yeah. Christians to get their arms around. Is that really true? Is that biblical I think what and scriptural? Really, you know what? I think what they're really asking there yeah. is, do we have the right to act in a <clears throat> in an immoral, in, inhumane uh, manner, based on our societal privilege, and without any accountability. Yeah, without no any accountability. accountability, anybody. Well, it says here, and if a book and movie were not enough, soon students enrolled at Uni- Liberty University will be able to take a course on it. Now, if you're not familiar with Liberty, it is a very conservative Baptist college. That's sort of a bulwark of conservative Christian mm-hmm. stuff. Okay, here, he, uh, he says uh, Gingrich says additionally. We have developed an online course, which will soon be available at Liberty University. It explains and outlines the origins and importance of American exceptionalism. That's horrible. Now, isn't another word for that American idolatry? Yeah. Where you set America above further reproof, uh, any kind of reproof at all? I, man. So it be, America becomes an idol? You take something that that has some goodness to it, and then you you pervert it into something. Exactly, evil. it's like wow, we're gonna set up a big idol. And if you don't worship as an idol, then you must be a heretic. Yeah, I know. That's the other. That's the yeah. other side to this. If argument. you don't take it that far, if you then, don't, then you're if, a traitor. Yeah, if you don't, yeah the the goalpost is clear. It's like either you agree with me, and all of my sort of you know pseudo racial mm-hmm. things, or you're a heretic. It's God's you, right-hand thing, you're, or you're a traitor you're a to your country. You're a communist hate right. monger, right? If I can give you a last paragraph here. Please. Um, you know, I, I, I hate to miss Mike Huckabee. Particularly, he was threatening to, like, not run. Uh-huh. And I thought, boy, there goes most of my stories for future quake for the no, next year no, and a half. No, 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 come on. But I think he's backing off and he's going to stay in there. Uh, he he had a statement on the death of Osama bin Laden, so I guess here's my. Well, thing. was he part of it? Was he well, carrying a firearm running around the well, building? Well, do, do you remember when I Him made the Trump po- were the guys who parachuted in? I made a point in the show last week, and I mentioned several times about the debates, the last election, where he said that he would personally like to lead the uh, Iranians to hell. Uh-huh. You know, as a Baptist minister, and people, other Christians, look at me like, no, he couldn't have said that. 
That's not true. I mean, you can look so on YouTube gonna and enter, find it. You're going to enter it into the record here? You, you, no, do. no, I don't have that here. I mean, no. people can look that up themselves, or I can look it up. Here's a new statement he has on Osama bin Laden. You know, right. because you know he's such a good Christian, he would never say anything like that. He says the following is the text for Governor Mike Huckabee's opening commentary on the Huckabee report and his statement on the news of bin Laden's death. He says it's unusual to celebrate a death, but today Americans and decent people the world over cheer the news that madman, murderer, and terrorist Osama bin Laden is dead. The leader of al-Qaeda responsible for the deaths of 3,000 innocent citizens on September 11, 2001, and whose maniacal hate is responsible for the deaths of thousands of U.S. servicemen and women killed by U.S. military. Uh, was killed by U.S. military. Mm-hmm. Uh, President Obama confirmed the announcement late last night. DNA test confirmed his death and his body's in the possession of the U.S. Well, it was. Now it's in the water. Okay, he says it's taken a long time for this monster to be brought to justice. Welcome to hell, Bin Laden. Uh, let us all hope that his demise will serve notice to Islamic radicals over the world, United States, that will be rel- relentless in tracking down and terminating those who would inflict terror, mayhem, and death on any of our citizens. So he's welcoming him to hell. My my big my big uh, my big one of the day was I was listening to this person who introduced himself as a minister on a, on this on this program this radio program and he said essentially uh, somebody asked him somebody asked him he said well uh, so where do you think Osama bin Laden is now and he says oh he's in hell where he belongs mm-hmm. and my immediate thought is wait a minute. You're a minister. You ought to know that uh, without Jesus, we all belong there. So yeah. to say that, to say that really belies it belies a far. We all deserve thing. hell. Yeah, yeah. It, to say that as a minister of the gospel really belies yeah. something far deeper yeah. going on in your heart. We that you, that it, you it shows really it's not even the mercy of God. God mm-hmm. says He is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Mm-hmm. Now that's not the fact that there will be people in hell. Obviously there will. I mean, I'm not a universalist. There will be tragically, but but it's not something to celebrate, gloat, make a snide comment about. Yeah, you're gonna be in hell. Mm-hmm. You know, and for a minister of the gospel to say something like that, we should repent. Even even if if mass murderers go to hell, like you said, all of our sins are are filthy and worthy of hell in God's eyes. Yep. So, but we we should not be gloating over a soul that goes to hell, even if they've made a terrible mess of their life. Mm-hmm. I just don't. It, it belies a harshness. There is a harshness I see I know. in the evangelical community. I can't. I can't understand harshness toward people who are different us, people of different faiths. People. I mean, even these people do bad things. Sure. It shows more about our heart with the way we refer to them. People should. People listening to this should type in your Belinda uh, care. Uh, C-A-R-E uh, Rally mm-hmm. Let me see if that brings it up uh, mm-hmm. On YouTube videos Oh you're looking it up real time Yeah yeah here just making sure that's right yeah. So you want to if you look up your Belinda mm-hmm. uh, Care uh, Rally A lot of that'll come up um, There's a couple other ways you can look it up But basically it was a Tea Party rally yeah. against a, uh, a a Muslim mosque that was having a benefit dinner mm-hmm. to raise money for the homeless. Uh, your Belinda Muslim protest might be a good one. Okay. Yeah, your Belinda Muslim protest. So they were stopping. They they were protesting against the people raising money for the homeless. Mm-hmm. And it's horrible. There's there's a um, the the scene depicts Congressman. Uh, let's see, Congressman Ed Royce, I believe. 
Yeah. Uh, Ed Royce, among others, uh, talking about just, just you know, like what gotta, the badness going on there. I got to write this down because okay. this relates to my other research I'm doing. Okay. It's uh, uh, if you, uh, it's it's entitled here. I'm watching it now. It's entitled mm. "Hate Comes to Orange County." Mm-hmm. Um, uh, anyway, hundreds of protesters show up and they're harassing the attendees, saying stuff yeah. like, um, you know, it says. One nation under God, not one nation under Allah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, some dude with a with a bullhorn is screaming, you know, Allah is the devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the Westboro Baptist Church kind of stuff. Yeah, but, but we, it's we also now the have, Tea Party. I, the, I know, I, but what I'm saying is the evangelical community is slow, slowly becoming Westboro Baptist Church in their own way. Yeah. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, just a vitriol... A nastiness, not looking at people as individuals that need to hear about Christ. Mm-hmm. Here's um here's a list according to the to the care to the care website. Uh, it was sponsored by a group called We Surround Them OC Nine Twelve, Rabbi David Eli Ezri of Shabbat Yorba Linda, North Orange County Conservative Coalition, Act for America, uh, and Pamela Geller mm-hmm, uh, among yeah. others. Um, so it's Geller is part of the ones with uh, Boykin and these other kind of people. They all are in yeah. the same groups. Um, she she does a lot of stuff with um, Gaffney. Yeah, Deborah Frank Gaffney. Deborah Polly, a Republican, there talked about sending them to paradise or yeah. uh, knowing knowing a bunch of Marines that would be mm-hmm. happy to send them there. One of one of which was isn't that funny? Them. Isn't that yeah, really hilarious? Yeah, and the crowd Sending just goes, cr- yeah. Send them to a Christless eternity. Yeah. Well, she may not be a Christian, so she may not understand the, you know, her. I bet you some of those ones yelling alongside her are. There's are plenty to be. of them. There's plenty of them there that that would maintain that. I think. Uh, there was also. And I will tell you what, I will get some emails from people just totally vehement. Me, people listen to our show. Uh-huh. When they hear this stuff, they think you're just throwing in with the with the evil people. Don't you understand the evil they do? Why aren't you trying to resist this kind well, of stuff? Well, they should watch Hate Comes to Orange County on YouTube. They might agree with it. Well, they may think that's the way Christians are supposed to act. Well, I think we, I think that then, you know, I mean, there comes a, a time disagreement. If you have some kind of threat that comes, like you know, you got troops marching up on your shore, you have civil government that's there that's supposed to have troops to protect you when they're coming on your shore. There is a time when the community has to stand up when it's a really tangible existential threat. But when you get people who are who are practicing their faith. When you have people who are trying to do something for the poor like this yep. and other kind of things like this, you know, it's a different faith than mine. I don't agree with it. But you know what? I don't agree with the Jewish faith. I don't agree with uh, a Mormon. I don't agree with Jehovah's Witness. I don't agree with a bunch of them. Now, they'll say, well, these are different. They're all scheming together to Congress. And I just haven't seen all the detailed plans exactly how that's going to work out perfectly. Uh, but what I worry is what it's doing to us. Regardless of what their plans are, what what mm-hmm. kind of monsters is it turning us into? Turning us into, well, at least a, a portion of them into like sort of kind of like a crazy racist. How are the Christians in that crowd going to be able to go back to those Muslim people and say, I want to tell you about the love of Christ. I was called, I was given a great commission to share my my faith with you, to share the good news. And if you choose to, you know, if you're a mm-hmm. seeker and looking to please God, here is good news. God wants you because, wants you to know because he loves you. Mm-hmm. How are they going to do that after they've acted like that? Good question. And even if they get persecution in return, isn't that what Jesus said? We're supposed to count it all joy if we get that? 
you know, uh, yeah. Like the one thing that doesn't make sense to me is like even if even if you do think that that there's a problem there, like the mm-hmm. Great Commission says that you're supposed to preach the kingdom to people. You go forth and do that. Not it doesn't say stay in a isolated cell and shoot people that come that might be different than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go over there, you get your head chopped off preaching the gospel of the right. kingdom. You come over here, man, you could preach to their blue in the face on their re- street corner. If you really loved them. If yeah, you really ex- loved them. Exactly. Exactly. This is this isn't a this isn't the Muslims are evil. This is reflecting something going on in people's heart that's far mm. deeper. God is saying American Christians I'm making this easy on you. You don't have to go I'm over there and bring your I'm throwing your an life. underhand ball across the plate. Yeah, I'm All putting one right on the tee. On the tee. You know, I'm putting them right here in your neighborhoods. I'm putting them right in your places. I'm counting on you to share mm-hmm. the gospel with these people. Mm-hmm. And what do we do? We give them more of the hate that's like what they came from back in their other lands. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You got another story for us? I've got one if you don't. All right, here we go. Here's another uplifting one. Do you want to hear about the Mexican... People are really hating us talking about this stuff. Uh, Sorry, uh, not everybody. I'm just going not. to the. I'm just myself. I just go to the truth, you know. And if yeah. if that requires me to stand on the street corner with a bullhorn, then I guess that's where I'll have to go. I don't know. But uh, do you want to hear about the Mexican narco trafficker that says that he was uh, he was working working with uh, the Department of Justice, the CIA, and the those people? Or do you want to hear about how Apple uh, uh, the Apple's Chinese workers are treated inhumanely like machines and are uh, encouraged strongly to sign non-suicide packs and stuff. I want to hear the first one. Okay. They're both, I mean, they're both interesting. Um, Mexican narco-traffickers' revelation exposes drug war's duplicity. This is from narcosphere.com. A high-level player with one of the most notorious narco-trafficking organizations in Mexico, the Sinaloa Cartel, claims that he had been working with the United States government for years, according to pleadings filed recently in federal court in Chicago. Uh, The indictment pending against Zambada Nibla claims he served as a logistical coordinator for the cartel, uh, helping to oversee an operation that imported into the U.S. multi-ton quantities of cocaine using, using various means, including but not limited to Boeing 747 cargo aircraft, private aircraft, buses, rail cars, tractor trailers, and automobiles. Uh, Zam, Zambada uh, Nibla's allegation of U.S. government complicity in his narco-trafficking activities is laid out in a two-page court pleading filed in late March with the U.S. District Court uh, for the North Northern District of Illinois in Chicago. The pleadings assert that... Uh, Zambada Nibla uh, was working with public authority on behalf of the U.S. Department of Justice, Drug Enforcement Administration, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation, uh, the Department of Homeland Security, as well as the Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Hmm. So this is what he said in his, in his this is public now yeah. in, in federal court. Yeah. Um, in addition to narco-trafficking charges, Pending against him in Chicago, Zambada Nibla also stands accused of serving as an enforcer for the Sinaloa, Sinaloa organization, which means he shoots people. Mm-hmm. Uh, scrolling on down here, uh, Zambada Nibla's contention that he is essentially a U.S. government informant also takes on an added intrigue with respect to another series of legal cases now pending in the U.S. and Panama. 
To understand the threads that connect those cases, it is necessary to revisit the mysterious crash of a Gulfstream II corporate jet on September 24, 2007 in Mexico's Yucatan region. On board that jet was an estimated four tons of cocaine, uh, which appears to have been loaded into the jet in Colombia. The Gulfstream II sported a tail number N987SA, linked by European investigators to past CIA rendition operations. Narco News has previously reported that the bill of sale for the Gulfstream jet, which was only sold only weeks before its crash landing, lists an individual named Greg Smith, whose name also shows up in public documents that indicate he worked as a pilot in the past for an operation involving the FBI, DEA, and CIA that targeted narco traffickers in Colombia. Uh, a CIA asset named Baruch Vega, who was a key player in those undercover operations, also confirmed the information related to Smith. Narco News has not been able to track down Smith or his partner in the jet acquisition deal, Clyde O'Connor, for comment. Vega also claims that the cocaine load on the jet was purchased through a syndication of Colombian narco traffickers that included a professional CIA, a professed CIA asset named Nelson uh, Irego, who, uh, who was arrested by Panamanian authorities in 2007, a little more than a week prior to the crash of the Gulf II. Uh, the Gulfstream jet, according to Mexican authorities, was among a number of aircraft equipped by the Sinaloa Drug Organization via an elaborate money laundering scheme involving a chain of Mexican Casa de Cambios, which are currency exchange houses, uh, overseen by alleged Sinaloa organization operative uh, Pedro Alfonso Alatorre Demi, according to Mexican government and U.S. media reports. Um, and we just it just goes on and on. One of the things we talked about earlier was... Uh, Wachovia, Wachovia mm-hmm. and all of the money that uh, major banks have been laundering for Mexican yeah. drug cartels, they show up here. Wachovia inked a deferred prosecution agreement with the U.S. Justice Department in March 2010 in exchange for paying a monetary penalty of some $160 million and providing a promise of cooperation with the U.S. government. Um, and they go on, uh, they go on and talk about this uh, specifically here. Uh, from September 2005 to December 2008, or to 2007, Wachovia provided correspondent banking services to 22 CDCs, which are Casa de Cambios, which are these mm-hmm. money laundering, money currency exchange places, uh, which were overseen by Damey. Uh, the investigation has identified $110 million in drug proceeds that were funneled through the CDC accounts held at Wachovia. Uh, that represents only money... Uh, in the larger pool of a $373 billion thing that we talked about mm-hmm. uh, that could be proven to be drug proceeds. Uh, and the suspicious activity went effectively unmonitored, something else we talked about lately. Um, and it just, like, this article's really long, mm-hmm. and it just gets well, let me ask you more this. ridiculous and more ridiculous. If they legalized it, would there be any reason for any of that stuff to go on? Nope. Including all the murders. You know, we talk about the harm of drugs, and drugs do harm. I don't recommend drugs. Mm-hmm. But what about all the murders and the things that go on because this is such a big underground market? Well, uh, just from a just from a supply and Crime. demand, just from a supply and demand thing, if you increase the supply, uh, if you if you increase the supply, there's going to be if there's there's going to be twenty percent demand over a short yeah. time period, right? Yeah. If you increase the supply, you the the price will go down. It'll go down drastically, which means it's no longer uh, it's no longer a way for criminals to make money. Yeah, there's no there's no incentive 
there's no incentive to have a black market. Uh, yep, and that's already been proven actually because yeah. uh, when when uh, uh, California put the legalization of marijuana yeah. on the state ballot, yeah, um, the price, the street price of it fell to the deck. Yeah, people who had reported making a nice middle class living yeah. uh, by growing by growing pot said that they mm-hmm. had to find new ways to work. But I mean, the government could tax it. And then use some of that money for public service announcements saying that this mm-hmm. will harm you. Same stuff they do with, with cigarettes. Uh, they need to do more of it for alcohol. They don't do hardly anything that's sort of the acceptable drug. Mm-hmm. But they, they really play favorites uh, with this stuff. And I just, you know, and of course more Christians would excoriate me for that. And I certainly don't recommend drugs for anybody. Sure, and I know no, anybody hears our shows. Anybody hears our shows tell it. We take a strong line against it. But I'm also against people... Uh, killing each other, you know, mm-hmm. and all these other kind of crimes and other kind of stuff that go on well, too. So, I mean, it just gives another opportunity for our governments to work with organized crime to do all sorts. You know, it provides the money through selling that stuff to do other evils, like overthrow other governments. Mm-hmm. How, how many governments in Central America have been paid for with drug money a lot. to do the overthrow? And Talk about a force multiplier, I mean, of evil. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Stay off Nobody cares. Nobody. It's all rah rah rah. Would you like Woo-hoo, to have a? Yay. Would you like to have? You know, because I think the drug issue is a spiritual problem. It's not a civil problem. Hmm. To me, someone who's drawn to drugs has a spiritual problem. Uh, you can outlaw them all you want. They're still going to take them until you address the spirit problem, and that's where the body of Christ needs to come in and share the word. Hmm. Interesting thought. Oh, that's mine. Yeah. Um, are you familiar with Colonel Alan West, Army Lieutenant Colonel? He's a. Didn't he play Batman? No, that's uh, Adam West. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, no, this this is um, um, a, he's an African American gentleman, sort of has salt and pepper hair, color hair. Is he the guy he's that on ran TV a, a good tea bit. Part, is a tea He's party been a dude. good Tea Party fan. He he's now used as a commentator a lot. Anyway, I got a brief a brief snippet wasn't in a newspaper he, wait about Wait a minute, him. wasn't he? Oh gosh, I if I say it out loud, I don't want to. Steal yeah, 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 you'll steal it, so yeah. don't say it. Yeah. Uh, uh, this was from the Broward Palm Beach News. Um, uh, West abuse of Iraqi prisoner highlighted in best-selling book. Uh, an excerpt from Tom Rick's 2006 book fiasco alleges that former U.S. Army Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Now this is a guy again. He's on Fox News regularly for mm-hmm. pundit getting his advice. And he speaks a lot of these conservative conferences. He's a candidate for Congress in Broward and Palm Beach. Uh, had to be told by a subordinate that the interrogation of an Iraqi detainee had gone too far. West had his soldiers haul in an Iraqi police officer suspected of having knowledge of a plot to assassinate West. In one of the many breaches of protocol, West interrogated the prisoner himself. Mm-hmm. He threatened to kill the prisoner. When soldiers beating the prisoner didn't work, West himself shot past the man's ear before a senior sergeant finally told him, Sir, I don't think he knows. In his own statements about the incident, West has claimed that the interrogation led to valuable intelligence, but that doesn't jive with the account in fiasco. Well, uh, he was he was given a a dishonorable discharge, right? Because of that? Uh, that, that may be true. On page 280 of the book, fiasco, it says... 
Uh, you'll see that although West reported the incident to his superiors, no action was taken until the 4th Infantry Division, for which West commanded an artillery battalion, was investigated for other reported abuses. Mm-hmm. Now, th- this guy, again, he's a, he's a darling, like you said, of the Tea Party. Uh, can I add a little bit more detail from one of my favorite people writing on this? Wasn't wasn't he? Well, okay. I thought he was. I thought they almost took him up under Article 93 well, of the, cruelty and mistreatment of. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll quit. There may be up. some more data on this here. Okay. I, I'm going to read. I don't know. Did you see uh, Will Griggs post on this? Uh, a couple weeks ago, yeah. Will, Will Grigg talked about this, and that's why everybody needs to read freedominourtime.blogspot.com. Will Grigg is one of the best writers out there. And he wrote on this, um, he says, uh, his topic, Alan West, has the militarist right found its new warlord? Now, he is a libertarian Christian, okay? That's not a lefty writing this, okay? Will Grigg, one of our favorite show favorites. He says, hello, Tea Partiers, look at your president. Oh, now he's doing this Old Spice thing. Yeah. Now back to me. Now back at your president. Now back to me. Sadly, your president isn't me. Look down. Back up. Where are you? You're in a torchlight parade led by a man who could be your president. What's in your hand? Back at me. I have it. It's that constitution that you love. Look again. Your constitution has been replaced by a military junta. Anything is possible when your man smells like white phosphorus. I'm on a white horse. <laughs> Straight off of that Old Spice commercial. Yeah. Uh, now, here's what Glenn Beck says, okay, uh, in his article. Glenn Beck says, I want to start a draft Alan West movement, proclaimed Glenn Beck during his April 21st program. The radio personality had been cooing and burbling about West for months. He's convinced that the retired Army Lieutenant Colonel, who was uh, cashiered a disgrace for abusing a prisoner in a fashion that merited prosecution under Article 93 of the UCMG, is the man of honor our troubled country needs. Of course, Beck isn't the only one infatuated with West. The freshman congressman from Florida is emerging as something of an old spice guy for the punitive populist right. The next president will uh, be either the end or the beginning of our country, Beck intoned, taking note of the potentially apocalyptic consequences of the metastasizing debt and our continued descent in the economic abyss. West has displayed no measurable interest in reducing the size and expense of the Leviathan state. In fact, the contrary is true. Before being elected to represent a Florida congressional district, West was an employee of the wealth-devouring, debt-propelled imperial military. His career as a hireling killer is what Beck describes as his most alluring trait. I love his word, he's choice like, of words. He's the man, the best. He? he? is the man. He has a strong military background, Beck gushed. The guy that was uh, has led us through war, and he's not afraid to pull the trigger. With Washington's legions engaged in three open wars and at least five covert conflicts, it's clear that the incumbent warlord is not hindered by a disclination to pull the trigger. In fact, under the reign of the Nobel Peace Laureate, I'm talking about Osama, Obama, um, Washington's military entanglements have expanded considerably and deepened dramatically, particularly through the use of death-dispensing drone aircraft. In terms of bellicosity overseas, a President Alan West would most likely take up seamlessly from his predecessor. The substantive difference between the two would become apparent in domestic affairs. West's model of an ideal society is the proto-fascist totalitarian state that ruled Sparta. This is where this really gets interesting. Yeah, okay? I was going to say, I, I seem to remember this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a recent address, now, see, this is interesting because this is what Boykin is talking about. He wants to take us back to a state of Sparta, the Christian community, mm-hmm. with his group of 300. 
Okay, in a recent address to a meeting of the evangelical group, Women Impacting the Nation, West extolled the supposed virtues of the Spartan system, in which children, at least those who made the initial cut as newborns and weren't selected as genetic culls to be hurled from a cliff, were stolen from their parents and raised as the property of the state. Spartan women at the age of nine gave up their male sons, West recounted to the gathering, and their male sons went into a training that was called the Agogi, I guess? Yeah. Agogi. And they stayed with that training for the next 11 to 12 years. And when they were finally qualified, when they were finally ready to join the ranks for the uh, Spartan army, it was not their father who gave them their cloak and shield. It was their mother who gave them their shield. While uttering the famous admonition to return either carrying the shield in triumph or as a lifeless corpse being carried upon it. The ironies are thick enough here to blot out the sun, but it's sufficient to focus on three of them. First, the evangelical women in the audience can be heard swooning with approval as West hymns the purported merits of a thoroughly pagan society that embodied the antithesis of every Christian virtue. Second, West, who insists that we must either subjugate or annihilate Muslims because, quote, they have no respect for human life, apparently believes that America should remodel itself after a garrison state built on a foundation of institutionalized child sacrifice on behalf of the state. Even more remarkably, the same Alan West, who recently sent a thrill down the leg of many right collectivist war bots (laughs) by denouncing the uh, integration of homosexuals into the imperial military, heaped extravagant praise on a military indoctrination program built on what Dr. Carl Cartledge of Cambridge University called ritualized pederasty, or mm-hmm. men messing around with boys. Enforced homosexuality was part of the process whereby Spartan boys became, quote, qualified, as West so daintily put it, for service in the city-state's army. In his book, The Spartans, The World of the Warrior, Heroes of Ancient Greece, From Utopia to Crisis and Collapse, Dr. Cartledge observes that after a Spartan boy's seventh birthday, he was removed from the home environment for good to embark on a compulsory and communal educational system known as the Agogi, I believe. Agogi, I guess. Agogi, or Raising Upbringing. Between the ages of seven and 18, the boys in use were organized in packs and herds and placed under the supervision of young adult Spartans. They were encouraged to break the exclusive ties with their own natal families, and they consider all Spartans of their father's age to be in loco parentis. At the age of 12, the Spartan male, quote, was expected to receive a young adult warrior as his lover. The technical Spartan term for the active senior partner was inspirer, while the junior partner was known as the hearer, relates Dr. Cartledge. When the Spartan boy reached age 18, he was evaluated for membership in the Cryptia, a police force assigned to control the helots, a population of civilian slaves who lived under a form of martial law and could be killed with impunity by the Spartan police. If Barack Obama or even some tertiary bureaucratic appointee in his administration were to invoke totalitarian Spartan as a model for an American social renaissance, Glenn Beck most likely would suffer a seizure at his chalkboard and the entire warbot right would go into convulsions. Alan West's candid endorsement of that vile totalitarian system, however, is seen as, quote, courageous and principled by that same social cohort. Yep. When was the last time you heard a politician speak like this, squealed an enraptured conservative commentator regarding West's peon to Sparta's child-snatching militarist overlords? Well, let's see. 
There was that curious little fellow, a bit eccentric, but a decorated combat veteran nonetheless, who about 80 years ago explained, quote, When an opponent says, I will not come over to your side, I calmly say, Your child belongs to us already. You will pass on. Your descendants, however, now stand in the new camp. In a short time, they will know nothing but this new community. Fleshing out the dear leader's vision, his interior minister, Wilhelm Frick, insisted that the primary obligation of parents, schools, and other institutions was to raise youth for service to the Vulcan state. Another version of that same sentiment was expressed by the... He's talking about the the Hitler and the Mm -hmm. Nazi youth there. Mm -hmm. Another version of that same sentiment was expressed at the Soviet Communist Party Education Workers Conference in 1918. We must remove the children from the crude influence of their families. We must take them over and, to speak frankly, nationalize them. From the first days of their lives, they will be under the healthy influence of communist children's nurseries and schools. There they will grow up to be real communists. A few years ago, the militarist right worked itself into a spittle-flinging frenzy over a video depicting what was described as Obama's paramilitary youth corps. The black teenagers in that video, whose choreographed presentation did have the flavor of a ritual worshiping the dear leader of of a third world nation, were enrolled in a Kansas City program for troubled youngsters. This disagreeable episode was an entirely isolated incident. Alan West, on the other hand, has candidly endorsed the idea that virtuous American mothers should give up their male sons to be raised by the state for the state, that they should teach their sons that there is no vocation holier than killing on behalf of the state, and that there is no act nobler than sacrificing one's life in the state's service. Many of the same people who saw the little odd performance in Kansas City as evidence of a plot to create a monolithic nationwide paramilitary youth core of fearsome size and iron discipline, apparently think this arrangement would be just fine, as long as Alan West were the one in charge. Perhaps he's being coy, but Colonel West insists he's not interested in a presidential run in 2012. If he's sincere in that refusal, he might find himself gravitating toward a different venture promoted by Beck, uh, what one of his publicists describes as a coterie of former CEOs, CIA agents, and military personnel who share his vision to restore the republic. That's his new group he's forming, you know, uh, Beck. Mm. On the basis of prior performance, it's pretty clear that Beck's vision doesn't include a repudiation of the warfare state. The thumbnail sketch of his proposed brain trust suggests that he would be commuting with people who have been instrumental in building the vertically integrated enterprise of plunder, bloodshed, and misery, and have profited from it. I find myself wondering if Beck and his clique will gather in some sheltered Rocky Mountain redoubt to prepare for the final economic and social collapse, and then emerge in the aftermath to offer the kind of leadership only seasoned militaries can provide. If this is the case, I'd suggest naming their sanctuary Galtieri Gulch, in memory of the CA-supported figure whose junta field-tested many of the techniques, military tribunals, kidnappings, torture, summary execution, that are now routinely employed by Washington. Alan West would make a, a suitable figurehead for a post-collapse American military junta, and I suspect that among his admirers can be found many people who quietly long for the advent of an American Galtieri or Pinochet. Mm-hmm. I suppose it would be progress of a sort to see a black man considered for the role of the man on the white horse. Interesting. Sorry, that was long, but, man, I just love to hear his way of looking at things. You know, he's really, between him and Robert Hyde, but he really helped me see... That me, me having come from the right, conservative, evangelical right, how much 
the patriotism patriotism push mm-hmm. is so much foreign to Christian teaching and to a history of making your your primary connections to your family, your your media community, mm-hmm. rather than giving your life totally over to the state. We call it patriotism, yeah. But it's what they're selling. Well, ask people. Just here, uh, uh, listeners, ask yourself, uh, or maybe even ask other people around you. Uh, sit down for a second and consider this. What's more important, your family or the state? Mm-hmm. What? Uh, if you could only defend one, if you could only defend your family mm-hmm. or your state, which one would you pick? Or even your community. What about, let's just say, your community, community. your community, your state? Yeah. Because in the ancient world, they had no question. Your first loyalty was to your immediate family. Mm-hmm. Your, oh, after God. Your second was to your immediate community. Mm-hmm. And on and on. And then the national state was the last on the list mm-hmm. that had your devotion. Well, here's a, here's a more interesting question, at least for me. Uh, what laws, uh, who trumps, whose laws trumps whom? The state, uh, you know, y- your state, California, Utah, Nevada, or the federal government? State laws or federal mm-hmm. laws? Most people will say federal laws. Yeah. But that is not, that's not the case in... Well, that's how we've been trained. Yeah, that's not that's the case mentally. in the Constitution. You know, you ask people that, mm-hmm. and they go, uh, they'll say they're a strict constitutionalist. You go, who, well, which laws trump which? And they'll go, oh, definitely federal laws always trump. Mm-hmm. And I go, well, then you're not a constitutionalist. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Civil War had a lot of legacy with that. That's... They sent a message out far and wide mm-hmm. that this whole thing about separation of powers will tell you when there's separation of powers. The federal government will let you know mm-hmm. when you can do your powers that are enumerated. You know what's interesting is the more that I study, the more that I see that one of the big tricks of control is to uh, is to frame the debate and frame the discussion. Yeah. And... Uh, by virtue of the fact, oftentimes just by virtue of the fact that stepping outside of that, of those goalposts, mm-hmm. uh, those um, goalposts that are sort of forced onto the debate, mm-hmm. um, you find you're, you're smart. That's that's where that's where truth usually lies, and that's yeah. where people are afraid to go because it's like wackiness mm-hmm. for them, you know. Right. Going out, going outside those. Going out so outside those exteriorly opposed, imposed goalposts, mm-hmm. just it's tough. We're, we're often given artificial choices to pick, both of which are fraudulent. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you want to be a communist or do you want to be a, you know, a fascist? Which yeah. one do you want to be? You got to pick. You can, you can you only know? be you can only be Democrat or Republican. Or Republican. Mm-hmm. And if you conservative or liberal, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The Bible doesn't say anything about that's the way how the world's structured. Yeah. You know what Jesus said? Beware of the leaven of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Hmm. Because you know why? They act like mortal enemies in the public, but when they're back in the Sanhedrin behind closed doors, they, they plot the same leaven. They plot together yeah. to get rid of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's the it's the same the same goopy goop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got a story for us? Oh gosh, where to start? You gotta pick something. Okay, Apple's Chinese workers treated inhumanely like machines, quote unquote. Uh, an investigation. This is from the Guardian. An investigation into the conditions of Chinese workers has revealed the shocking human cost of producing the must-have Apple iPhones and iPads that are now ubiquitous in the West. 
The research carried out by two NGOs has revealed disturbing allegations of excessive working hours and draconian workplace rules at two major plants in southern China. It has uncovered an anti-suicide pledge that workers at the two, two plants have been urged to sign after a year of employee deaths last year. Uh, the investigation. Let, let, let me ask you this. If somebody signs that and breaches that agreement, how do you punish them after that? <laughs> That's a good question. It's a good question. Uh, the investigation gives a detailed picture of life for the 500,000 workers at the Shenzhou and Chengdu factories owned by Foxconn, which is, which is produced, uh, which produces millions of Apple products each year. But by the way, does your employer have you sign any kind of pledge like that? Not quite that draconian, though. Okay. No. You know what's interesting? You, you know, we've done it at mine, and I'm self-employed, so that's what makes it really <laughs> awkward. <laughs> you know what's interesting? It just dawned on me that Apple's, uh, Apple's like little symbol is an apple with a little bite out of it. You know, mm-hmm. and here you have, here you have, you know, people. Ostensibly American Christians among those, because I unknowingly own an Apple product. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're walking around with this thing that's got a little apple with a bite out of it, and meanwhile people are committing suicide over it. You know, what's you know, the apple significance there? What do you think? Anything forbidden fruit or something? Yeah, okay. the whole fact that it's an apple with a single bite out of it, you know, generally goes with like Genesis. It may not have been an apple. Oh, sure, but was a fig. In, in, in popular uh, mm-hmm. symbolism, right. it's always an apple. Right. It could have been a fig. It why did been, they choose that for their symbol? It, it you know? could have been a pomegranate, for all we know. Do you know why they chose it for that? Why is that? Oh, I'm asking you. I no, don't I don't know. I don't. It seems like an excessive... I've always wondered that. It seems like an excessively odd symbol, full of... just truculently full of meaning yeah. and merit. My mind was blown today already learning about what Disney's original plans for Epcot were. That blew me away. Oh, yeah, you you shared that. Do you want to talk about that? Well, I just read some new things today. I mean, it was explicit that uh, he was basically going to be the totalitarian leader of a, a community of 20,000 people. They had no voting rights. <laughs> I am Walt Disney, and I am your God. They had no property. These, you know, it was supposed to be an international community with the way yeah. of the future, and uh, they were they were going to be able to control everything, where basically nobody got to own property and they said when you remodeled your house or when you really didn't do it, but there was there was no internal government to to run this group. Hmm. Basically, it was like the ultimate corporatism, if you think about it, which yeah. is fascism, corporatism, mm-hmm. where the the corporate people would decide the affairs of the people who yeah, live there. It's just like communism, except people don't even you know. It's like the corporation is in charge instead. Yeah, of except it. they have more stuff. Yeah. Now, they yeah. don't get to decide when they get their stuff. It's given to them, but they're supposed I mean, to have more like, stuff. Who knows? Yeah. Um, hey, let, let's let's jump back in here. Sorry. Everybody commit. No, that's interesting. Um, you brought up the apples. Yeah, I did. I did. The investigation gives a detailed picture of life for the 500,000 workers of the Shenzhou and Shengdu factories owned by Foxconn, which produces millions of Apple products each year. The report accuses Foxconn of treating workers, quote, inhumanely and like machines. Among the allegations made by workers interviewed by the NGOs uh, are claims that excessive overtime is routine despite a legal limit of 36 hours a month. One pay slip seen by the observer indicated that the workers had performed 98 hours of overtime in a month. Wow. D- you know, divide by four. That's mm-hmm. that's insane. Um Workers attempting to meet the huge demand for the first iPad were sometimes pressured to take only one day off in 13. Well, 
That's not that bad. There's going to be some weird more. things coming unglued in China because I think I told you before uh, through some stuff that you know that I collect and stuff. Mm-hmm. They're talking about only getting coal for two days worth of production mm-hmm. for their factories. Mm-hmm. So they got stresses coming in all sorts of directions in yeah. China. Mm-hmm. They, they, the kings of the east, east may start marching, you know, across the Euphrates earlier rather than later. Mm-hmm. They didn't have enough women to marry. Yeah, well, there's that. Uh, in some factories, badly performing workers are required to publicly to be publicly humiliated in front of colleagues. That's like our practices. I was going to say, yeah. it's just they turn the mics on and they call uh-huh. it, ah, oh, future quicks on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, crowded workers. Dormitories can sleep up to 24 and are subject to strict rules. One worker told the NGO investigators that he was forced to sign a confession letter after illicitly using a hair dryer. Strange. In the letter he wrote, It is my fault. I will never blow my hair inside my room. I have done something wrong. I will never do it again. In the wake of a spate of suicide... So they just had to stay in little dorms there? Yeah. It's, it's like a big room that sleeps 24. So this is like slavery, basically. Yeah. In the wake of, of a spate of suicides at Foxconn factories last summer, workers were asked to sign a statement promising not to kill themselves and pledging to, pledging to treasure their lives, quote, unquote. Uh, Foxconn produced its first iPad at Chengdu last November and expects to produce $100 million a, a year by 2013. Last year, Apple sold more than 50 million iPads worldwide and has already sold close to $5 million this year. When the allegations were put to Foxconn by the observer, uh, observer manager Louis Wu confirmed that workers sometimes worked more than the statutory overtime limit to meet demand from Western consumers, but claimed that all the extra hours were voluntary. Workers claim that if they turn down excessive demand for overtime, they will be forced to rely on their basic wage. Workers in Chengdu are only paid paid only uh, uh, 1,350 yuan a month for a basic 48-hour week, equivalent to about 65 pennies an hour. There you go. Wow. Asked about the suicides that have led to anti-suicide netting being fitted beneath the windows of workers' dormitories, Wu said suicides were not connected to bad working conditions. There was a copy effect. If one commits suicide, then others will follow. In a statement, Apple said... Apple is committed to ensuring the highest standards of social responsibility throughout our supply base. Uh, uh, Apple. <laughs> That's so horrible, man. We will make even better anti-suicide nets. Uh, Apple requires suppliers to commit to our comprehensive supplier code of conduct as a condition of their contract with us. We, pr- we drive compliance with the code through a rigorous monitoring program, including factory audits, corrective action plans, and verification measures. Um, that's it. Okay. All right. That's horrible, man. I mean, if they want to commit suicide, can't they go somewhere else off the grounds and do it? Or are they really trapped on the grounds? I think they're trapped. I don't know, but I think they're trapped. This is like being a slave trader. Yeah, it's essentially wage slavery that we saw, yeah. you know... Uh, uh, I read a couple of Upton Sinclair's books yeah. when I was a kid. One yeah. of which, I, one of which I would highly recommend, except for the last part where he just gets uh-huh. all googly-eyed about communism. Yeah. Uh, uh, is a book called The Jungle. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very, very interesting. Was Jürgen that about Rut- the meatpacking industry? Or yeah, Jurgen yeah. Rutkiss and his family yeah. that explodes. He wrote a book called It Can't Happen Here Too that oh, really? Ron Paul quoted from. It was about a uh, sort of a, a religious right-wing leader. 
mm-hmm. that was a super Christian leader, and he becomes just an overt fascist. And uh, he had a famous quote in that book, Ron Paul quoted, that got him in big trouble in the news. He said, when fascism comes to America, it will be waving the flag and carrying a Bible. Hmm. And Mike Huckabee didn't take too kindly to that, but nor right. other fascist anywhere did. Um, do you like me to share a story here, just to sort Please. of close out here? Um, this is on this is on a website I just found a uh, blog called Bartholomew's Notes on Religion. Hmm. And I think he's sort of a lefty, but he has been tracking some similar stuff that I've been doing on some of these leaders and stuff. Uh, some of the stuff I've been sharing with lately, and uh, I just discovered him a couple days ago, and he's covering some of the same tracks. Here's something he says, Together at last, Sarah Palin and William Jerry Boykin. This has been widely noted. Next week we will see Sarah Palin taking the stage with General William Jerry Boykin at Colorado Christian University. Former Alaska governor and vice presidential nominee Sarah Palin will be the keynote speaker for Tribute to the Troops, a military and veterans appreciation rally at Colorado Christian University on May 2nd. The rally will be held at their Lakewood Event Center. Also featured is Lieutenant William G. Boykin, as well as cameos with members of all branches of the armed forces. Dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun, dun. Boykin's in the center of the stuff I've been doing. You know, he's yeah, the, he's, he's one of the player. top Knights of Malta leaders. Mm-hmm. The top. Yes. Boykin gets around. A couple of weeks he was sharing ago, he was sharing a stage with Alan Keyes and Neil Pentecostal revivalist Rick Joyner to explain how Muslims curse Jesus when they pray. Um. And he knows he mentions Boykin's leaks to Joyner several times on his blog. Boykin is the Grand Chancellor of a strange chivalric order, of which Joyner's a member, and that's for sure. Yeah, that's the, without. Yeah, nobody, and I have a lot more data on that I can share with our listeners that, later. Yeah. yeah, the tribute to the troops event is being organized by the Centennial Institute, a think tank established at the university in 2009. Who pays for all these groups? That's what I want to know. These think tanks. I think I know. Its president is former Colorado State Senate President John Andrews. Um, he is uh, John Andrews is the director of the institute and a CCU cabinet member, as well as a Denver Post columnist and TV radio commentator. He was pre- previously president of the Colorado Senate, chairman of the State Policy Network, and director of TCI Cable News. Uh, he served on a Foreign Scholarships Commission for President George W. Bush a speechwriter for President Nixon, and an education appointee under President Reagan, and founded the Independence Institute, a free market think tank in Golden, Colorado. Uh, he also runs the Backbone of America Citizens Alliance. It all sound like the same kind of group. Boykin has spoken at CCU previously. According to an article by Andrews in the Centennial Review Newsletter, the Sharia Awareness Project... A campus like Sharia just always happens to come up, incidentally. Allie thinks. It's a Sharia. Only thing going on in America. A campus lecture series began when Centennial Institute opened its doors in 2009. Speakers have included John Guandolo, Bridget Gabriel, Tafal Kamid, Kamal Salim. He does a lot of work with Gaffney. Mm -hmm. uh, And Imam Karud Abuzaid, along with three lectures by General Boykin. Boykin, it should be recalled, contributed to the report Sharia, a Threat to America, published by Frank Gaffney's Center for Security Policy. That was a Group B2 report, by the way. Mm-hmm. As you rightly stated, Group B1... Team may, B. Team B. Team B yeah, yeah, Team B. Uh, team B had this ex- grossly exaggerated assessment 
of the dangers of the Soviet Union, mm-hmm. which has now been acknowledged as grossly. So the same guys get together to do a similar report about Islam, which is more than ironic. Um, so uh, it says, Andrew's article complements a piece from Boykin, and he also has a warning about Muslims in America. When the question is asked, can a good Muslim be a good American, we are inclined to say, of course, why not? But if a good American is defined as one who gives his highest earthly allegiance to the Constitution, with all its rights, liberties, representative institutions, and limitations on government, and if a good Muslim is defined as one who gives highest earthly allegiance to the Quran, with its absolutist code of Sharia law, proclaimed as supreme above any civil law, the answer is not so simple. When you reason from those definitions, the class of loyalties, potentially irreconcilable, becomes evident. Don't we really respond as Christians to the Bible, even over the Constitution, if push comes to shove? Well, my feeling is that Jesus carried a forty-five. Okay. <laughs> oh, thank you for adding that good content there. Yeah. Um, he says, uh, when you reason those definitions, a clash of loyalties, potentially irreconcilable, becomes evidence. He's saying, really, it's impossible for a Muslim to be a good American. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Salzman of the Huffington Post called up Andrews and asked him about his use of the question mark. I asked Andrews whether it was true. Uh, excuse me, that was Andrews who was saying that. What Andrews himself wrote in his institute's publication, that the answer is not so simple to the question, can a Muslim be a good American? I told him maybe I was reading into too much into a statement, and did he really mean it? I mean, his work of the word can, I thought, left open the possibility that no Muslim could be a good American. Does Andrews really believe this? He says, I'm not going to expand on what I wrote or comment further on what the general wrote, he told me. Both articles speak for themselves. They attempt uh, to challenge thinking. I believe that's one of the functions of any university. See, he's not willing to say, okay, what, when push comes to shove, what are you really saying? Mm-hmm. You're, you're putting all these seeds of doubt and paranoia in people's mind. Mm-hmm. Come out and say, what do you want to do to Muslims? What is it that you want to do to them? And they won't answer that question. They just want to say, are you going to trust them? Are you going to trust them if that's what's in their religion? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you what to do about it, but just, you know, that's like saying, you know, those Jews, you, you can't trust Jews in business. You know, can't you imagine hearing that in, you know, 1937 and, you know, in, in Germany? Or you can't trust them. You know, they've, uh, you better not have always... a Catholic for president. Because, right. Right. You know, you know those Catholics. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, Catholics. You, you can't trust. Them. I'm not going to tell you to do anything about it, but, mm-hmm. you know, can, can you really trust a, a Jewish person in your community here in Germany, modern day Germany? To tell you the truth, man, we need more living space. Uh, yeah. There you go. Um, he says, uh, um, I, he says, uh, I believe that's one of the functions of any university. Some universities are better at challenging thinking in one direction. Some are better at challenging thinking in another. I guess he's admitting a bias of the school. Andrew said he told Palin's staff that CCU Centennial Institute has worked several times with a distinguished retired general and wanted him to be a part of the uniform services element of the program, and Palin's staff accepted uh, this. It was agreed that Boykin's remarks, as well as Palin's, would be non-political, Andrew said, adding that Boykin's theme will be the sacrifice required to serve in the armed forces. Be the kind of sacrifice we heard about the Spartans, I guess, earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, incidentally, Boykin and Palin share the same ghost writer, Lynn Vincent. Vincent has come to wider notice recently due to the success of Heaven is for Real, uh, another book that they discussed. 
So I would suggest people keep an eye on this. Uh, I'm getting some good information from this Bartholomew's Notes on Religion. As long as you can get past the hard sell left stuff. Mm-hmm. But the other information is good. Wow. Would, would you like some news? I mean, some uh, emails? Listener emails, yeah. yeah. Is there another story that you really need I to I mean, there's to tons. Forward? There's tons. We could do like a four-hour show, but, you know, I Call hate Call it. To, um, tell you what. Do, do one listener email. One, just one. I was and gonna try to click through some more, but okay. All right, wait. All right, here. I'll just do. I'll just give you the headline of this one that just, I missed. Yeah, just give it a quick. Okay, the Tom Tom. Remember the little Tom Tom yeah. thing? Sat nav data was used to set police speed traps in uh, in in uh, the Netherlands. Apparently, and I'll just give you a synopsis. Apparently, the it was it was offered for sale. The, yeah. the police came and said, "Hey, we'd like to buy that. You know, just yeah. to just just for statistical purposes." Uh-huh. And yeah. they went. Okay, as long as it's for statistical purposes, and they yeah. bought it, and they used it to set speed traps. Um, here's another one: drones spray and track uh, track people um, in secret Air Force plan. Basically, the idea is they spray this dust over them that you yeah. can, that fluoresces a certain color under different spectrums right. of lights, and so they can tell who's been in an area and who hasn't been, uh, and then do whatever they're going to do with mm-hmm. them. Um, let's see. Gosh, I had I had a whole phalanx of quotes about the about the. Um, oh well, here's pre-crime. Pre-crime uh, uh, is alive mm-hmm. and well in in Britain now, apparently, because people were arrested because they might they might try to do something at the royal wedding. Like mm-hmm. you know, they're sitting in their apartment having tea, and then all of a sudden they kick the doors down. Yeah, before they've done anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with no no See, real that's evidence. the kind of freedom we got to protect from that Muslim onslaught. We wouldn't be able to retain those kind of freedoms. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The freedom to arrest people ahead of time. Yep. Uh, and then I had a I had a whole phalanx of quotes from uh, Prince Philip. You know, with this royal wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they 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 sort of they were doing sort of a uh, sort of a joke commentary on the royal wedding in Australia, and they yeah. cut the feed to Australia. And so I, in honor of that, I put together. Well, I didn't. Infowars mm-hmm. did, but I was going to read it. Uh, a whole, you know, list of great, great quotes from him about we, we being a virus, and uh, yeah, he said, to some, oh, "I can't find him now." Oh shit! Yeah, and he said yeah. to this a group of exchange students mm-hmm. in China. He says, "Don't stay here too long, or you'll quote come back with slitty eyes." Unquote. That's the Prince mm-hmm. Prince Philip of of Britain. You know. Yeah, I. I the more I've learned about him. The yeah, worst he comes four of across. his five, four of his five sisters married high-level executive Nazi SS officers. Yeah, that's like man. And of course, Edward, he was big into it. Yeah, he was, was he big, was over there, yeah, man. He yeah. was like hanging out. I love this place. Yeah, like those are our great British forebears mm-hmm. who who actually move us like a puppet, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything else, or okay, that's was, it. I'm done. Okay. Um, because I still got a lot of emails to catch up, but we're not going to do this long. We got. Got just a few minutes. I have to call it a day here. Uh, this is from Cindy. Uh, we haven't heard from Cindy in a while. She says, Dr. Future and Tom, uh, I just want to let you know that while you were doing the story on the blessed idol worship meets, uh, uh, that I couldn't help to laugh out loud, especially to Tom's snorts, guffs, and comments. Uh, seriously, I think that was when we were talking about how the halal meat was getting people all worked up and yep. the whole thing about, you know, if you don't know what's blessed by idols. So. Yeah. Seriously, you could take it on the road if it weren't so horrifying that the American church might buy into all this nonsense. I have an ongoing discussion with a dear friend that hates all Muslims. 
but considers herself a Christian. How, I ask myself, is this possible? Thank you so much for praying for those who would hate us. This is a pure gospel distilled to its very core. Uh, Dr. Future, this is off the subject now. I wonder if the Star Wars character, Luke Skywalker, was a foreshadowing of the Serpent Bearer. The movie came out in 77, I believe, or 33 years before the formal induction of the newest Zodiac House in 2010. That's that, like, Asclepius or something like that. The man holding it's the 13th one. It's new. Uh, Luke uh, is a, uh, it says in thinking of it, the constellation depicts a man walking the sky. Luke is a form of Lucius. In many sites, giving name meanings tells us that this is translated as light. Lucifer is derived uh, from this as well. Interesting is in that our Lord saw fit to name his greatest messenger of the gospel Luke and the greatest deceiver of a false light Lucifer. You'll remember that in later installments of the series, Luke's enemy was Apollo Creed. Apollo, I thought that was uh, Rockies. I was going to say, I'm trying to remember the Rocky no. theme song, but I can't. And situated in heaven, the serpent bearer is the opposite of the constellation Orion, or another man constellation. Just random thoughts. Thank you again for your service to God's remnant. Blessing, Cindy. That was interesting. Thanks, Cindy. Interesting email, Cindy. Yeah. Uh, this is from our dear friend... Von Glitchka. Von Glitchka. Okay. And if you want to check out his really just awesome graphic art, uh, I think I can say his name, uh, go to uh, vonglitschka.com. And that's V-O-N-G-L-I-T-S-C-H-K-A.com. Vonglitschka.com. Glitchka. It's really cool. Yeah, and it's fun to say. Yeah. I don't know if he appreciates that. Oh, man, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm tempted to, too, but... He's such a cool guy. Yeah. Uh, and a good friend. Uh, he says, uh, Mike, he says, uh, in 2002, I decided to go to a CBA, I think that's Christian, like, book something, mm-hmm. CBA convention in Anaheim. California Bluegrass Association? I don't think that's it. I thought the investment to fly down and make some contacts with various publishers offering my design services to them would be a good way to use my talent to benefit the kingdom. Unfortunately, what I ran into was much like what you described in your interview with Derek Gilbert. Marketing cycle babble wrapped in a thin veneer of Christianese. Yikes. Capitalism that uses a, quote, cross instead of a T, if you will. Um, I was, uh, picture that, capitalism with a big cross in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was unable to make any contacts but realized that I really didn't want to help promote a lot of what I saw. Hmm. I walked into one room. Uh, and there was a huge booth for, uh, for Benny Hinn with a life-size cutout of him standing next to a table of his latest book stacked on it. I'm still amazed this nutter has Christians who still buy his theolo- theological shtick. Oh, man. So I decided, to have a little, yeah, I decided to have a little fun. I took out some post-its I had in my bag and drew a speaking bubble on one and wrote, Hi, I'm a false teacher on it. I'll bet I, that went over big. I then pasted it next to Benny's head. I then walked off and stood across from the room against the wall and just watched how people reacted to it. People walked by, slowed down to look at the book display, and then would bought the sticker, and everyone would chuckle and move along. No one ever pointed it out to the booth people, but it must have stayed on the cutout for about 20 minutes until someone in the booth came out after a couple was laughing and looked around and spotted it. He tore it off and read it, then put his hands on his hips furrowed his brow and started looking around the room and spotted me as I was laughing. He just glared at me and I just waved and walked off. 
The more I've thought about that story over the years, the more I realize it's kind of reflective of how the church as a whole responds to distinct false teaching being marketed to Christians in general uh, though so many mod- through so many modern venues now. Many notice the lunacy and just laugh at it, but never directly address it or call it out or hold others accountable for its danger. They keep walking along. Other Christians protect these private theologies and embrace them, scorning anyone who makes fun of them or questions them as unspiritual or heresy hunters, etc. Get that? Heresy hunters. Heresy hunter, heresy hunter. I appreciate what you do with your show. You don't pull punches, but you still have fun. Keep hunting the heresies the way you do. I value that so much. Thanks, Vaughn. And Vaughn, we appreciate you so much. You're you're a cool guy and a good Christian. Um. Okay, maybe maybe one or two more. Um, this is Brother Dan. Um. He says, "I am a Christian living in Canada." I happened to discover your show as a podcast about a year ago and I followed Future Quake ever since. You have some amazing and mind-expanding subjects. Love your and Tom's humor. We know some people don't like our humor, but we don't hear as much from them. Uh, I'm providing a leak to the Vigilant Citizen for your interest as well as your consideration as a future guest, uh, which is a, it's a good website for info. Um, and I asked him a little bit more about himself. He says... Hey, Dr. Future and Tom. He says, I'm a retired police officer running a bed and breakfast with my wife of 36 years. Uh, it's uh, Tranquil Woods, Victorian Inn. Hmm. So if you want to go to tranquilwoods.ca, tell them Dr. Future and Tom Bionic sent you and be a bed and breakfast with Futurians there. Sweet. Maybe listen it's to Future Quake because there. I'm thinking about doing a quick little road trip up to Canada sometime this summer. Well, let's go. Yeah. Wouldn't that be cool? We'd be in another foreign land with Future Quake. We could do a broadcast. I know. You probably there. hadn't planned for me to be there. No, no, no. I live cool. in... You can come. It's it's just sort of like I gotta do one. I gotta do one cross country road trip a year. Okay. Well, this is would be up. He says I live in Huntsville, Ontario. You may recognize the name of our town as a recent location of the 2010 G8 summit. Feel free to use my letter. Blessings, Dan. You know, if you want to do that, we might as well just go to Montreal and we could see uh, uh, Joyce and John. Yeah, yeah John Ross. I don't know if I'm on a first-name basis with them, having never met them. So maybe yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'd want you to meet them. You might lose control. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what. I'll share something really quick. This will be something you'll be interested in. This is an intense one to close out emails, okay? okay. This regards sleep paralysis. This is oh from Mom gosh. in Delaware, okay? Uh-huh. Uh, Mom in Delaware. Dear Dr. Future and Tom Bionic, thank both of you for a wonderful show. I've listened to my podcast for over a year, and I download every episode. I found your program when I got my first MP3 player and was looking for a good Christian program to listen to. Well, I hope you still find a good Christian program, but you're welcome to listen <laughs> to us in the meantime. To listen, yeah, <laughs> do, um, do we and, bring it up. And yes, your program is a good Christian program. Okay, she refutes this there, Renee. All right. <laughs> she I, already she anticipated says, our humor. Well, she says in parentheses, I can hear you now making a joke about how your program isn't good. <laughs> Oh, she's oh got our gosh. number. That's okay, she says, you've opened my eyes to many things and helped me to find other great programs such as PID and Be From the Bunker with Derek Gilbert. I also wanted to thank Tom, quote, great guy, Bionic, for his information on my sleep paralysis. In September 2010, I had a dream that started out with me holding some coconut and trying to come up with a recipe for it. Probably a common incident dream. 
Uh, after that some, all the time sleep After some strange things happened in the dream, too long to go into details, I was called into a bedroom by my 12-year-old daughter. The room was in my dream's house, but not like any room in my real house. She said she was having trouble turning on a tall floor lamp. All of a sudden, I was in the bed and unable to move. My daughter was kneeling on the floor by my head, and she was taunting me to reach up and turn on the lamp. As soon as I thought that she wasn't my daughter, she turned into a woman with curly blonde hair. The woman was taunting me to reach up and turn on the lamp, and I could not move. Then the woman was on my other side up against the wall, still taunting me to turn on the lamp. I tried to reach up again, and again, and still could not move. Even though I was asleep, I remembered what Tom said about demons causing sleep paralysis, mm-hmm. and my fear turned to anger. I yelled in my mind for her to go away in the name of Jesus. She remembered that because you said that, Tom. Sweet, man. Okay. That's, that's the you. best thing I've heard all day. As soon as I said the name Jesus, I woke up as my head and legs shot up in the air. Yep. My heart was beating so fast. I got up and wrote down the details of the dream. Then I noticed that even though I hadn't had any coconut in weeks and had brushed and flossed my teeth before bed, I had a tiny piece of coconut in my mouth. I rarely remember my dreams and cannot ever remember having a dream with so much detail. However, I remember every detail of this dream even months later. I've not had another dream like it since before or since. I've been a Christian since before I can remember. My kids have gone to a Christian school since the first grade. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's see. My, my daughter's been going with my minister stepfather on Saturdays on the neighborhood evangelistic team since she was seven. She has helped over 160 kids say the prayer of salvation. Wow. Yeah. Of all... That's all she has to show for her nine years. <laughs> I, mean, I feel pretty <laughs> yeah. of all now. The, of all the people in my life, I wonder why she was the one used in my dream. Hmm. My daughter, my son, and I decided to be baptized on January 2nd, 2011. We were all baptized as babies. However, that is the parents' decision. We wanted to do it again by our own decision. I'm so glad we did. I feel more protected as if I have an extra layer of armor of God. Oh, cool. She says, I, thank you again for this great show. That's awesome. Yeah, I had a I had a dream that was really vivid recently. I was, you know, I was getting attacked by a giant marshmallow. Somebody was jamming it down my throat. And, like you're you're not joking. Uh, and then I woke up and my pillow was gone. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. Yeah, no, no. That, now that I, was a serious dream. I, I know that, that's actually a very common thing. Door. The yeah. one time with the coconut. Yeah, I've never had anything that fits exactly into a sleep paralysis type thing. Yeah, but. I'll tell you one dream I did have. About we praise, by the way, that sister. We just praise the Lord. Yeah. Oh, and totally. let us know an update on what's going on in your all's life, your mm-hmm. family. Yeah. Please do. Um, one, The one time I really had sort of like a for real definite nocturnal encounter, mm-hmm. uh, I had this dream that was, I was I thought I was awake. Uh, yeah. Like, like I could have gotten up and poured a glass of water and like had a drink and yeah. sat on the side of the bed, you know, that kind of awake. Yeah. And uh, I remember it was I remember thinking that like somehow I knew that I was looking out through my closed eyes yeah. but there was this thing that was like an inch from my face and snarling and stuff and like hmm. it was like trying its best to like get in my body. Wow. And uh, uh as a young Christian I didn't know quite what to do but yeah. I just sort of said Jesus yeah. you, or you're not mine. You know, you can't yeah. have me. I already yeah. belong to the Lord and it yeah. stayed for a second and then left. Huh. And that was wow. it. Wow, that's pretty intense. Yeah, I get yeah. a lot of intense situations lately, yeah. but that was a that was an early one. Repo man, uh, <laughs> you know, 
My my dad has a vivid dreamer. He's a very soft-spoken person, you know, mm-hmm. not a real rambunctious kind of person, but he has vivid dreams. And mm-hmm. he had one dream some time ago where he was under a crawl space of a house, and he was on, on his back, you know, in a tight quarters, you know, crawling mm-hmm. underneath the, the floor joists. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden there was a coil-up snake right there in front of him, mm-hmm. and he couldn't get away, and he just starts whacking the snake with his hand, mm-hmm. hitting as hard as he can, and he suddenly woke up, and he was whacking my mom in the bed. Like she was a snake, so oh, great. she didn't really appreciate that much, you know. You know, there there is one dream that I've been having, um, and and all of a sudden, just appearing before me is Merv, who tells me how to contact everybody at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, that was a surreal transition, I guess, to to Merv. <laughs> oh my God! It's, hard to, it's like your middle names. It's hard to come yeah. up with a new way to transition. To I Merv. know that was that was totally, totally non sequitorial. Sorry about that. It's okay. It wasn't. It, I, it was entertaining. I think it's the end of the doubleheader night tonight. It's just getting me I'm yeah. sort of succumbing to bum, it. Bum, 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 Ladies bum, and gentlemen, I don't have to tell you all things are getting even weirder from what they were. Uh, from the events of the last few days. So just hold on to your hats. Pray a lot to Jesus. Be patient with him. Be secure in him. Lean on each other. Lean on us here at Future Quake. Keep praying for us. We'll do the same for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other comments you have, Tom? Um, go get some food and you know just keep packing away. And, mm-hmm. you know, things are getting interesting. Frozen White Castles. Yeah. And get you a DVD of Ultraman to watch. Yep. Underground. Poison your enemies with the White <laughs> Castle. Hey, we love y'all. Thank you for coming another week with us. Uh, we got some special surprises and some guests in the next few weeks. But until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Ciao. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Quake, quake, quake.